This is Alan Stein Jr. My new book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, will be available from all major book retailers on January 8th. Raise Your Game takes a rare peek behind the curtain and shows you what the top coaches and players in the game do during the unseen hours. I share their routines, rituals, and habits, as well as proven strategies that you can implement with your team immediately. If you want to maximize your coaching impact and influence, order your copy today at RaiseYourGameBook.com. Hello, coaches. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is designed to encourage leaders to have a championship vision of their personal lives and career. This podcast is getting leaders to share their secrets of success. So get out your notebooks and write down notes to make you a championship vision leader. Elite leaders have a vision and find ways to get buy-in and believe in. Let's share a vision. Hello, coaches. Good afternoon to you. This is episode number 30 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Today, we're interviewing really just a special leader in our community called Adam Brandley. Adam Bradley is an entrepreneur, intrapreneur, speaker, and coach. Adam is one of the original founders of the Hardwood Hustle platform and has spent the past three years utilizing the podcast and his reach to pour into coaches and players across the country. In 2015, Adam launched the nationally recognized leadership program, Lead Em Up, that provides coaches an engaging and cutting-edge curriculum they can use with their players. Having a heart to give back to his local community, Adam serves as a mentor to many youth programs and schools in the Baltimore-Washington market. In addition, Adam is the director of one of the largest charitable golf tournaments in Maryland, the Bradley Open, and is regular speaker at his home church, Journeys Crossing. Coaches, let's welcome Adam Bradley. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, Adam, man. I appreciate you coming on, my friend. This is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Hey, hey New Year's Eve, man. This is, this is kind of a special occasion podcast. I mean, there's, there's a little festivity, a little festive. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm really trying to, <clears throat> you know, get special people like yourself. I know you, you've done a lot and so forth within your community and around the country. Um, but I'd like to welcome Adam Bradley to our, our podcast and, um, know this, but my based on really based on the listening of, of the hardwood hustle. And I just want to tell you, I really appreciate what you and Alan and what you guys are doing. I think I've heard every podcast. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it's been going for five years now, you know, and pretty cool opportunity to kind of kick it off with Alan Stein and get some momentum going there. And then TJ has just come on board and just been a great co-host over the last year and a half or so. Um, it's, I appreciate it. It makes me feel real good to hear you say that, you know, so um, you know how it is with podcasting, you're speaking and you're pouring into a platform and you're hoping with everything inside you that it's affecting and impacting those on the other end. So it's always good assurance to hear, uh, when someone comments like that. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I know podcasting, it's getting bigger and bigger, isn't it, Adam? I mean, 
don't you think the actual the, the platform is growing around the country or around the world? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's probably at its peak right now, which is interesting. You know, I've been podcasting for now almost 10 years, believe it or not, Kevin. You know, I started a local sports network here in the D.C., Baltimore, Washington area back in 20, 20, 2009, roughly. So it's maybe nine years. And and I remember when we were doing it, we had we were covering all the major sports teams here in the area. And um, some of the hosts that we were recruiting to bring on, I remember, had to ask me, what exactly is a podcast? You know, like, how do I listen to this thing? <laughs> they were intrigued and wanting to do it. You know, when I was like, oh, we cover the, you know, it's like an internet radio show. And like, I was having to spin it to them. And they're like, that sounds so cool. I want to be a part of it. What is it? How do I listen to it? How do I let others listen to it? So for me personally, like I have a pretty intimate relationship with podcasting. I've seen this, tr this growth of like, my own co-host at the time, not even knowing. And even Alan Stein, you know, when we started the Harwood Hustle, it was like, and that was four or five years ago. I was like, hey, I've got this studio. This is what we do. This is how we record. You know, it, it was really a kind of a learning process for him initially as well. So if you think about that, that's just four or five years ago. And now there's podcasts. I mean, I throw a tennis ball right now. I'll probably hit three podcast hosts. Um, just <laughs> exactly. They're everywhere now. So it's been pretty cool. But it, it makes sense, Kevin, because the platform is so uh, effective and um, and it's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Adam, tell me about um, your history and your background, because I've done some research and so forth and I've. I learned so much about you and um, how did you get to this point in your career? And I know that um, you had some things and so forth that go on with your life. How did, how did you get to this point on developing such a great organization on lead them up and so forth? Tell, tell the audience a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not traditional in any sense, you know, um, you know, first lead them up, you know, we've been able to build this organization and, Right now, we're it's a leadership program being used by hundreds of teams all over the country, and we provide coaches leadership drills and exercises for them to utilize, and it's built up a pretty nice momentum and <laughs> reputation that that people are really enjoying it, and they're impacting their players and impacting their cultures through it. And for me, you know, here locally in the Baltimore-Washington market, it was about five years ago, I got asked you know, to speak, I, I was getting asked to speak at a couple of different uh, schools and universities just because of some of the success I'd had in business, to be honest with you, um, especially specifically with that sports network I was referencing. So, you know, I was getting asked, Kevin, to come in and speak and just share about success and habits and, you know, what it took for us to build this and traditional talks like that. And it was at my old high school that my, the coaching staff, after I spoke one day to the football team, they said, man, you know, you've got this ability to connect to the to our players and we we could use that. My high school's kind of changed over the last few years and um, there's new dynamics and challenges within that program and within that school. And they wanted to see if I'd be willing to be around them more often. And they asked if I'd be their leadership coach. Now, when I got asked that, we had no plan. It was extremely open-ended and it was just a matter of, I said, what do you mean? What do you, what would it look like? And they said, I don't know. What if we just like give you all of our players every Tuesday, we end practice 45 minutes early and we just hand them over to you and you just pour into them. So, I mean, that's how open-ended it was, Kevin. And 
I, I kind of thought about it, prayed about it and said, absolutely, let's do it. And that year I went all in with this team. I mean, I spent so much time around them, really trying to get to know the players, figured if I can't impact these players if I don't know the players um, and really kind of build that relationship. So I went all in every week. I was seeing different challenges that the team was experiencing and I just was brainstorming and putting together ideas. What could I speak to them about this week? What exercise could I create that could move them and impact them? And each week I was journaling everything I was doing with the team. And then just over the course of the next few months and over the next year, locally, a lot of coaches were inquiring, hey, what is it you're doing? Is there a way I could get access to some of the things you're doing? And then nationally, uh, through the podcast specifically, um, I was getting inquiries from coaches all over. Hey, I hear you talk about it on the show. What is it you're doing with these teams from a leadership standpoint? You know, I'm searching for something and kind of just revealed itself to me that I should put it together and, and formalize it and put it into a program and make the things that I was doing and um, available to other coaches. And there appeared to be an interest and a, a demand for it. And I figured if I could, one of my goals, Kevin, would lead them up is to make leadership and character development as fun as skill development you know you don't have to twist players arms to go out and like put shots up and things like that but it always had a, a stigma around oh got to do some leadership work oh i don't see the connection you know there's not the same type of enthusiasm in a player's mind for leadership and character development but what could it look like if we could change that and you know for me that's kind of been my mindset as we create different exercises and lessons like all about the players engagement at the forefront. Is this going to move them? Is this going to impact them? And uh, just slowly, man, then just started building it, Kevin. And just day by day, week by week, month by month, relationship by relationship, school by school, one step at a time. I mean, no magic fix, you know, no, no overnight success, just a process now of three and a half years to get to this point. Yeah, and it looks like it's, it sounds like you had a great vision. Um, and that's what I, I try to I really love interviewing. And my podcast is a little bit different than yours in a sense that I'll take like I'm a PE teacher as well. I'm a K-5 PE teacher um, and I interview PE teachers and I'm really trying to expand it, Adam, where I'm getting, you know, people from the business world. I just interviewed Alan Stein. Of course, we talked about his book. Um, I would love to interview business owners who people don't know about that are very successful. Um, but you're one of those that you're a visionary, man. And you took this really just by the grassroots, man, and ran with it. I love that. I mean, I love that. I love, I love, that's why I want to pick your brain on a lot of things. Tell me about your leadership program in a sense that those coaches ask you to kind of take their players, but what you want is you want the coaches to take a role in this, right? Uh, like, a, take, take for example, a coach like me, you want to teach me how to lead, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the hope, right? I mean, from a business standpoint, when you talk about scaling, okay, like, okay, how can I duplicate myself? How can I duplicate my efforts? How can I have maximum reach with minimal time? Okay, not because I don't want to put the time in, but just from an efficiency standpoint, how can I structure it where we are impacting more by doing less? And for me, creating the exercises, teaching the coaches, pouring into the coaches, for me, it also gives me a double impact, right? Because now I'm like impacting the coaches and getting 
and empowering them to go out and then teach their players. So now there's two levels of impact, coaches and players, <clears throat> that's being able right. to, to be experienced. But for us, you know, it, it, a business often drives itself by its own demands, Kevin. So like the demands of coaches wanting tools and resources that were engaging, informative, impactful, and fun that they could use drove the the business, right? I wanted to honor that. I wanted to accommodate those requests. And how do you do it? Well, I can't travel every single place across the country. You know, I've got other things involved, other things going on in my life, you know. Um, so <laughs> there's limitations on what I can do, obviously. So for me, you know, it was like, well, what if we put it all together, step by step instruct them and allow them to go out with their team and feel empowered and be a leadership coach. And, you know, you look at like, there were a couple other like off um, some inspirations outside of the leadership space that kind of encouraged me through this, right? Like the, the one is, um, have you heard of like those food delivery, food service companies like Blue Apron and like HelloFresh yes, yes. and stuff like that, where you get you, you, you order your yeah. meals, they deliver it to you, you cook it up, blah, blah, blah. That was one, right? Like I started looking at like something like that. We've, we've experimented with that and have a lot of friends that use those food service, food delivery plans. And think about it, right? If we can remind you, are you in Tennessee? Uh, we're in, I'm in Georgia. Georgia. Okay. You were in Tennessee over the weekend. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chattanooga. Yeah. In Chattanooga. <laughs> that's right. So you're, all right. So you're in Georgia, but like the, the crazy part about like a blue apron services, you're in Georgia, I'm in Maryland and you could get your delivery for chicken Parmesan on a Tuesday. And I get my chicken Parmesan on a Tuesday and you go that evening and cook up your meal. And I go that evening and cook up our, my meal. And if we follow the instructions according to the plan and we go step by step, at the end of the evening, you and Georgia and me and Marilyn, we both have cooked up almost identical chicken parmesans. You feel empowered as a chef. Like, wow, I just did this. I feel empowered as a chef. Wow, I just did this. And we both have a result, a finished product that we can be happy with. In a similar fashion, if I provide the exercises and lay out the step-by-step -step instructions and the coach, whether they're in Georgia or in Maryland, follow it step-by-step, -step, then hopefully you feel empowered as a leadership coach within your team, as would I in Maryland. And at the end, we both experience good, completed products that mirror each other of, in this case, a team environment filled with enthusiastic players that are great communicators that are engaged, right. That are focused, that are fighting for them, each other rather than themselves. Similar thought process. Right. And, and, and that's been a little bit of the mindset of why we wanted to kind of go this route and really try to pro provide a digital product where coaches can use. Um, Cause we thought we could reach more people that way. Now, I still will come out and, and our lead up team will still go out and work. And especially here in the Baltimore, Washington market, I work with a handful of teams every season because um, I'm passionate about it. And I want to continue being in front of players and I want to, it helps me continue to grow and create ideas and stuff. So I'll, I don't ever want to get away from that. Um, but for us to impact the country, this is how we approached it. 
Yeah, I love that. So if you come out to Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia, you, you better plan on that. Matter of fact, we're not too far from TJ out here. How far are you? Well, we're um, probably, I think, you know, matter of fact, I'm actually planning a trip with my coaching staff to go visit Coach Rosine. We're about, we're about an hour or so from here. Lake Acona? Lake Acone. We're at, in Greensboro, Georgia. It's Green County, Georgia. We're right off of I-20. We're halfway between Atlanta and Augusta. I may have to get out there one day. I know. I know. Matter of fact, you got to come to my clinic. I told you about the clinic we run every year called the Legends Clinic. Yes. And I would love to have you out. We could talk more about that later. But, um, yeah, I, I think I would love uh, – because I've been really kind of – you know, kind of study what you're doing and so forth. And I do some leadership activities. I want to, I want to get your feedback on matter of fact, tell me about one of the activities I read about. Uh, I think it's uh, never say goodbyes. I think it was something like that was one of your activities uh, about staying real and really kind of every day, kind of having that approach, uh, being really, um, you know, just open to communication with all the, coaches and the fellow players tell me about that that activity that, that you had yeah so that's one of a dozen dozens of activities and exercises we have that particular one's uh say your goodbyes today um yes okay yeah, say yes your goodbyes today it's really built on the fact that i'm sure you as a coach have experienced this i certainly have and because i work with multiple teams each season i actually experienced it multiple times a season you know um compared to just one and I always find it really interesting that at the end of the year, whether win or lose, those moments in the locker room or the moments in the hallways outside the locker room after that last game of the season, I always find more growth takes place in those moments than maybe the rest of the season combined. That may, that may be a little exaggerated, but just to illustrate the points, there's so much growth and openness and transparency and like love shown in those moments, what would it look like if our team could tap into that in the middle of the season, for example, right? You think about it, Kevin, you've been around it, right? At the end of the year, man, the hugs are going out, right? The, the emotions are being let loose. The words of affirmation are being shared. You know, players are saying, man, thank you so much for all you've done. And you're like, what? Like three weeks ago, I thought you didn't even weren't even paying attention to anything I was saying. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. And, and that happened. <laughs> it's happened to me, and it really stemmed from experience that where there's moments where I'm working with teams each week, right, Kevin? And there's young people, men or women, and and there's moments just like any coach where I'm like, am I connecting with that player? Like, do they even care to be in here right now? Are they even listening? And you're really questioning yourself, right? Like you're questioning the impact and the the engagement you have. And, and then there's those same players. And this has happened on so many occasions. End of the season comes, right? And our season ends and there's an embrace and there's these words spoken. And it, it always makes me laugh. And they're like, coach, thank you so much, man. You've changed my life. You know, like you've inspired me. You did this, you did that. And I'm literally like shaking my head because for the past month and a half, I've been like racking my brain. How do I connect with it? How do I get 
into this this young man's head, right, or into his heart, right? I feel like I'm not connecting. And then all of a sudden, he's like, you've changed my life, right, or something like that. And I feel I like that moment, of course, right? I think that's natural to enjoy that moment. But I also get frustrated in that moment because I think I'm like, man, had you communicated that six weeks prior, you may have gotten more out of me. Not saying I didn't give them my all, but naturally, there's, you know, when, you li- when you're being encouraged through the process, you're going to give more, right? You know, and I think the same goes for teammates, right? Sometimes you'll play this game all year with your teammates and, like, your relationship as a team is, like, close but not super close. But then at the end of the year, there's these words that's like, man, I, I loved having you as a teammate. You know, you meant so much to me. Thank you for all your help. And I just can't help but to imagine – Man, what if we had said all that that a few weeks prior would this playoff run looked a little different? And now how do you incorporate that, Adam, throughout let's say we're right now in the midseason. We're eight and six. We're doing we're, we're having a pretty decent we're coming off a little break. How do we incorporate that? If I were to incorporate that, do we do that on a daily basis? Uh is it natural or is it artificial? I mean, how do we is that, is that led by the coaches? What, what do you think? Well, a couple things. There are a couple of things to consider. Uh, we, we give options, right? And I don't know the full dynamics of your team and the personality of your team to be able to answer fully, right? But you could do it a variety of different ways. You could kind of prompt it and force it, you know, which is we've done that sometimes where we'll say, hey, take, hey, we're going to take the next five to 10 minutes. And I just want everyone to just kind of stand up and, circulate around the room and I want all of us to think if the season ended today and we did not get a chance to play with each other after today this is it we just finished our year what would you say to your teammates and have them literally just kind of go around in like a five minute session where they're like talking to each other and almost pretending that it's the end of the season all right so that's one way to do it Another way to do it is to actually have them write it out, you know, and, and maybe identify a couple players uh, on a sheet of paper and actually write out some of the feelings. So maybe that's a way to go about it. You could also do it in the sense where you have players stand up and they go one by one and they give some love to a teammate. And, and at this point, you may have uh, one player stand up and say, hey, you know, give a shout out to a teammate right now that if today was your last day playing with them, like you'd want them to know this and give them an opportunity. And then you go around and everybody's kind of getting some love and experiencing some love and engaging in this. And that'll start kind of stimulating the mindset of what you're trying to accomplish with this exercise. And it hopefully will build some momentum for them to begin thinking about expressing some of these things that they're holding in that could potentially grow you. So there's a bunch of different ways to do it. It's kind of hard to say without knowing the personality of your team, though. Yeah, and we actually we try to do because I steal stuff from you all the sure. time, Adam. You, I, I, and I, sh- I should be paying you for it. Um, but you and TJ, matter of fact, um, you know we're we're a high five team. I got that from you. you know, I know you guys. Yeah. I know uh, TJ does a lot of that. We get more high fives than any team <laughs> in the country. I mean, we're. But you know what? It works. I mean, that, those little things like that, those touchables, we call them, that thing really works. So we have actually a circle at the end of every practice, and we have the kids. We actually pick out a, a person to honor. Hmm. 
and uh, we just call it our honor circle. And um, every kid goes around and talks about um, when does that become kids just kind of just um, become, I don't know if it's artificial, but we, we, you know, it's hard to do it every day. You know what I'm saying? But uh, what do you think about that? It's something similar to what you're talking about. I mean, I, I, I like it. I like it. Right. You know, it's like a celebration circle, you know, PGC basketball, which has yes. one of the best cultures of any organization I've ever been around. I mean, they celebrate at the end of every day, right? Like every time they do a camp at the end, their, their leaders get together, their coaches and counselors get together and they, they just celebrate each other. So, you know, I don't think you can ever have too much celebration. Um, I'm, I know you've mentioned on a couple of different occasions, this term artificial and, right. you know, I understand where you're going with that. And, you know, for me, I don't listen. If we don't prompt it, if we don't create it, and at times it will feel artificial, it will feel forced a little bit. But right. that's what has to happen with young people to develop and get them into a mindset. It has to, it, it, it may feel artificial at first, but it becomes genuine over time. But if you don't force it, it won't happen with young people. Like they're just going to go back to what they're most comfortable with. And that's not engaging in that type of behavior. Um, you know, I remember that actually reminds me, and this may provide a little encouragement if you have ever felt the artificial bit. I remember when my wife and I were going through premarital counseling uh, 10 years yeah. ago as we were getting ready to get married. And my pastor at the time said, I want you all for the next, for the first 30 days of your marriage um, the moment you get into the house and the moment you, one of you get home to put your key down and look and go directly to your spouse and give them a kiss. Okay. And for me, I had that same battle. I was like, man, that feels artificial. You know, like I want to, I want to feel like I want to kiss my wife. Right. Like I don't want someone to tell me I got to go kiss my wife. I just want to do it naturally. Right. I just want to feel those feelings and run in. And, but what happened it got us into the habit and it, it prompted those first couple steps. And then it became a habit and it became part of right. just what we did. But if it was just left off to, well, hopefully you just have this overwhelming feeling every day and you just do it on your own. Like it, it probably won't happen that way. So um, I think celebrating like is incredible. I think doing that each day is incredible. I think it, I think it produces returns that you may not even be able to see right now um, or even see in general because they're small and subtle, but they make a huge difference. And when you look at the alternative of not doing it, you don't want to see what that looks like. Yeah. And I love that. And I, I, I appreciate you because sometimes I, you know, as coaches, we do things, but it's good to get confirmation or affirmation from somebody like yourself or other coaches um but but that's what you know, but, but that's why yeah. that's why that end of the season goodbye that's what right that exercise was all about to because what will happen is this you'll go through the season and you'll be like i don't think my players are enjoying this they seem like they're yeah. kind of like eh. like i see like the body language i see the sluggish walk over to the huddle you know it's like I, I get that feeling of, here we go again this is another thing and it's mundane and all that but then what happens at the end of the year you're like you know, just thank you so much for such a great year, coach. You know, you know, our celebration circles were always so special. And it's like, what? They were special? I thought y'all hated them, you know? And, but that's why it's important that we get to the point where we're opening up and sharing and being real and recognizing that 
like infirming each other and, and giving life to each other is so important. Yes. And, and let's be honest. I don't think kids share as much as, you know, I think they have other means of sharing. I think that's, I think it's, that's probably what you're saying. This is probably one of the most important things we can do for them uh, with social media and texting and all that. Um, I think it's really valid. And I, and I, I appreciate your input. Adam, tell me about, I love some of your, what you're trying to get out, some of your objectives, your goals, and lead them up. And one is, and I love this, when the leader improves, everybody wins. Why is this important? I think it's important for buy-in. You know, it's important for our players to recognize and understand that when they are improving, everybody wins. And for us as coaches, we've got to illustrate to them and communicate what that looks like, you know. And and I, I try to do that from – all throughout because I always want them to understand why we're working on it. And, and when they're improving, you know, I want them to know like, Hey, when you improve as a leader, right. Leadership, what we do, character, who we are, when you improve in those areas, you are getting better and your team is getting better and your coaches are reaping the benefits and your athletic director is experiencing the benefits in your school and your community and your family when you get better as a leader, everybody wins. And there aren't many things in life that have that type of positive ripple effect through our investment. When we invest in ourselves, everybody wins around us. And, and for us, I, I think it's just a reminder to players that like, hey, this is important, but it's also a reminder for coaches. And, and you'll be shocked at this, Kevin, that when athletic directors or sponsors purchase lead them up for schools. So that's one of two ways that a coach can get access to it. A coach can purchase it for themselves, which Kevin, by the way, we've lowered the price. It's only $99 a year for a coach. And right now, if you order today, Kevin, and I'm talking to you, you get a coach's kit free of charge until the end of tonight. All right. Little promo. Um, All right. I'm, just, I'm, I'm prompting you. It's only $99, and you get a free coach's kit with has a little backpack and stickers and stuff like that. Nice. I think nice. consider it. Secondly, so <laughs> athletic directors and sponsors will purchase it for their entire athletic program. So that's fall, winter, and spring, JV, varsity, boys and girls. Every coach has access to it. And do you know that only about 30% of the coaches – in those schools actually open up their lead them up account to access the exercises, even though they're mm. being provided to them. So right. it's interesting as we look to grow lead them up, man, our battle is just as much for the play coaches as it is for the players. I want players to recognize, Hey, this is something you need to be investing in. Your mindset needs to be changing. When we talk about, and this is a message for players, and, and it's so important. I don't think players know what this really means. And I, I say that from fact because I ask them a lot. They don't know what it means when a coach says, I want good character kids. They think, as many do, when we say we want good character kids, that we want kids who avoid getting in trouble. Kids who are well-behaved and not getting caught up in detention, suspensions, crime, and stuff like that. That is not what it's all about. That is a small part. That's the obvious part. Of course, coaches don't want those type of kids. But when we say we want good character kids, we want kids with good character traits. 
Okay. So you can have poor character quote and have character that coach does not want on their team, even if you've never been in trouble. And I don't think a lot of players realize that they don't think about it that way. So when we say we want good character kids, we want kids that are hardworking, enthusiastic, that are selfless, that are coachable. I want that type of character within my players. And that's what we need to develop. So for us, we're fighting to get players to understand that when the leader improves, everybody wins. And that when we talk about character, it's not just them avoiding trouble, but no, instilling within them the appropriate character that is necessary for success. But just as much as we're having to get the players to understand it, we still are having to get the coaches to understand it because case in point, only 30% of coaches that have access to lead them up through a, that's being purchased for them, even open it. Think about that. That's crazy. Yeah. And why? Because they just think, all right, I'm going to do my own thing. It's not, that important it's important but not enough for me to like prioritize it and make time for it maybe they're not convinced that exercises can actually improve it um you know maybe they're old school and they just focus more on x's and o's and so it's a message when the leader improves everybody wins it's a message that we're trying to communicate to not only coaches but also to the players of course yeah and then of course you know when when these coaches, when their teams lose, are going, all right, man, we need more leadership. It's like, wait a second, man, you got to teach it, right? You do, you know, and I mean, you hear that all the time. I mean, even at the pro level, you hear it. Um, what do you think, even at the college level and pro level, because I know you're around a lot of high-level athletes, is is it being taught at that level? I'm, I'm sure it is, but from your point of view. College more than pro. Um, but I tell you, Kevin, Man, it does. It almost doesn't matter what level you play or what level you coach. The issues and challenges are universal. And even at the highest level, the challenges are so basic. It's really interesting. I spent some time a couple weeks ago with the NBA team and spent a good day or two and really like learned a lot. And Kevin you would be blown away at how basic some of their problems are. Right. I mean, the things that you are, you know, staying up all night trying to, you know, improve within your team, basic stuff, you know, where you think, okay, maybe that's just a high school problem. No, no, no. And, and when I said, what, what are some of these examples? Like selfless versus selfish, right? Um, uh, enthusiasm and energy right like that's an issue still at the nba level um they the communication factor huge at the nba level in fact coach saying my guys just don't even talk to each other like i just need to get them talking to one another and and even i was sitting back just like wow this is like crazy i I did not expect that the highest level that these were some of the issues still lingering and and I even asked, I said, does it all really matter? And, and it was interesting response by the coach. He said, it actually matters more because everyone's talent level is so comparable. Sure. So it's the little things like that make the difference. 
because at that point, and it makes sense, right? Because when you get to the higher level, the athletes are better. That's the biggest difference, obviously, is that they're just better athletes. But, you know, the margin for error is so small. So you've got to like, you start evaluating everything, you know, even the finest details. And it's like, man, if our energy was just better, if we just communicated better, if we were a little less selfish, we'd be better. And a lot of those issues permeate um, at both the collegiate and the pro level. It's pretty wild. Yeah, of course, at the pro level, you got the the money is the issue. But, I well, mean, at any level, it's still, the, it's still the human factor, right? The human you, – you nailed it. Like, <laughs> the, 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 the biggest difference in the pro level, obviously, besides talent, is the contracts and the money. Like, that right. that plays a huge part. But the actual product, the on-court, the dynamics, the growing of a team, it's still the human elements involved, which is universal no matter if you're in high school – um, college or pro, but yes, absolutely. The pro contract and money aspect and leveraging assets, you know, to try to grow like that, that's a dynamic that you don't see at the college and high school level, obviously, which plays into it, you know, where coaches are having to play certain players, even though it's not part of their, maybe that player doesn't fit their system, but the GM's like, I need you to play him right for the next couple months because we need to grow his value so we can flip him for the long term like so all these dynamics are playing in um but yeah when you start talking to coaches up there you start talking about some of the challenges you're going to hear selfish versus selfless lack of communication lack of enthusiasm the team i was with actually they had a guy who's on a um, two-way he's a two-way contract player and I commented after watching the bench this game that this one player, I didn't recognize him. I asked, who is that player? His energy and enthusiasm was absolutely unreal on the bench, okay? Like, he just was so – I mean, it caught my attention, all right? So I asked, I was like, who is, who is that player? And they said who it was, and they said how oh, he's on a two-way contract, so, you know, he can go back and forth between the G League and the NBA for 45 days. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, why, why, how did he get the contract? Why was he one of your two players? And they actually said it was his energy on the bench that made the difference for him. So think about that. On an NBA roster, they debated who to give the 45-day two-way contract, and they gave it to a guy whose energy on the bench made the difference. I mean, yeah. isn't, that, isn't that what we're preaching, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. I, um <clears throat> I mean, that's something that obviously if I, that's something you need to kind of get a video of and show your team. Um, and I have a, I have a dad that um, his, his daughter is a member of point guard college. He loves it, Adam. And um, he tells me all the things that they do showing video of play uh, benches, the body language on benches, like you're saying, they do it all the time at Point Guard College, and I absolutely love that. The same thing what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, tell me about leading by example is not enough. One of your goals, there needs to be more. What how, What are you talking about there? I know um, – so just by leading by example is not good enough, or is that something that they need to do a little extra, right? Yeah, I mean, leading by example is obvious. It, it's, a, it's a requirement. It's a prerequisite. Like, think about it, right? You, you can't be a, a leader if you're not doing the right thing. So when people say lead by example, it's like, what? 
like that's not enough like that's essential you know so like um for me like I, i'm dick davenzio ptc uh founder of ptc you know he said if you're if, if all you do is lead by example you're not a very good leader um you know when i look at sports today when you say as a player and most do kevin if you ask your players like to explain and describe their leadership style you know most of them were going to result to i lead by example i'm a lead by example type coach okay it's really interesting. I, I find it fascinating. You ask a player to describe their game and they can go into pretty good detail. You ask them to describe their leadership style and they have no idea how to even articulate or communicate any type of description. It's pretty sad. Um, so when they say I'm a lead by example type, I say, let me tell you what I really think about that. When I think of Adam, yes. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> you know how technology goes. I get it. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, continue on with that. I, I love you're talking about leading by examples, not enough. Yeah. So, so basically, like I was saying, Dick Davenzio, PDC said, if you lead, if all you do is lead by example, you're not a very good leader. <laughs> and for me, the example is the given. Like you've got to do it, right? You've got to behave and act in a way um, that that's honorable and that's notable. So for me, I don't think that's anything special. That's just part of the job is to lead by example, but that's not enough. Um, for me, when I think about that, and I often tell players this, I say, when you say all you do is lead by example and you think that's enough, let me tell you what you're communicating. You are communicating that all you have to do is walk into a room and that everybody who sees you wants to be like you so much. They admire you so strongly that they just watch everything you do and they want to follow you. Think about that. That's a pretty bold declaration. In fact, when I think about <laughs> sports, there's probably only a few people that I could count on my hands that I would actually say are that influential. I think about a guy like Tom Brady, right? Okay, maybe Tom Brady just has to walk in the locker room and he's just built up such a, you know, aura around him that people just watch how he prepares how he plans and they just follow suit right i think about a guy like kevin garnett like if i was on the team with kevin garnett maybe, maybe i'd probably just follow his everything he does i'd do you know what i mean like his he's that influential ray lewis in football peyton manning you know some of these like incredible like superstar athletes they could maybe get by without actually saying anything. They're that influential. Their example could change the game, okay? Ironically, even they choose to do more. And for us, we need to accept the fact that we probably aren't that influential where our example alone can inspire and bring up the level of everyone around them. There has to be more to it. You've got to be more versed. You've got to be more all around. There's got to be more to you than just simply your example. Yes, and you have to lead by voice. I mean, you have to. I mean, you have to get out there and really just take a risk. I have a. I have some players like that. They're. You tell them they're so coachable, Adam. You say, "All right, okay, we're going to be on help side." They're, they're there. They, all you got to do is tell them one time, but to get them to communicate with their voice to other people is very tough. Is that what you're saying? They have to do a yeah, little bit more, right? A little bit more. And, and they should, and they need to understand why it's important to do a little bit more. And they need to be pushed 
to do it. And I think that's where the art of coaching comes right. in. You know, like I like to tell the players, like, let, let me just ask you, like, do you want to win? Oh, yeah, of course I want to win. Don't you realize that, like, if your teammate is not performing, that that is a reflection on you? They say leaders, you can tell a great leader by what they accept and allow, okay? When you are allowing other players on your team to not know their assignments, to not do certain things, and you're not doing anything to make it better, you then essentially are allowing it to continue. And you have to recognize yeah, point. their performance has a reflection on your performance, right? And you need them just as much as they need you. And because of that, you have every right to speak into them. You, you do. Like, and, you know, like, lead them up, right? There's a team of five of us. If you're on my team, like, I'm, you are reflecting on me when you're a part of the team, when we're teammates, right? Like, you know, and if you start not doing your thing and you start messing up and not doing the right thing and all that, like, as a teammate, like, that reflects poorly on me. And I want players to take pride in who they are to say, no, I don't, I don't want my teammates, like, doing, messing up constantly. We're better than that. I don't want to be associated with that. I want to raise the standard. I want to, like, push them to another level. That's what leaders need to do. I love that. I'm going to steal that from reflecting yeah, on me. Reflection on I me. love Absolutely. that. Uh, and, and, and Kobe. Uh, and Kobe that's so Bryant, true. He actually, and I just shared this with a bunch of my guys that was listening to a podcast and they asked him why he got on his teammates so much and why he drove them so much. He said, because he said, because when we lose, everyone points the finger at me. So therefore I want to do everything I can not to lose. And I realize sometimes it's my teammates that I need to rely on. So therefore, it is my responsibility to get them to another level. And he's totally right. Now, who's getting on Kobe? Who's getting on Michael Jordan? Maybe that's another podcast right there. Like, who's, who's checking them out? Is that, is, that, is that a stigma? I mean, who's checking out the best player? Is that the coach's responsibility? Um, who, who's making them, making sure they're doing that's the right thing? That's a combination thing. of coaches. That's a combination of mentors in their life. That's a combination even still of teammates, right? Even, even I mean, right. you, can't, you can't sit back and just be like, oh, he's Kobe. I, I just let him do his thing, you know? And, and, and the funny thing is, if you ask those guys, they actually don't want that. Like Kobe, I'm, I'm sure if you ask Kobe, like, Hey, did you like when other players would call you out? He'd be like, yeah, man. It, he was like, man, like they accepted it and, and they drove them harder than ever. I'd imagine that if someone right. called out Kobe, once you pick it up, Kobe would be like, what? Oh, okay. All right, let's go. Right. Like you want to see me pick it up? Let's take it to another level. And like, it'd probably fire him up. Right. So I think it's. It, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. And, and of course, you know, I won't talk about the washed. I won't talk about the wizards. I'll leave that one alone, Adam. Okay. Man, we, but <laughs> but you know, what's going on there with John Wall, Bradley Beal. Um, and I'm sure you've, you've been in their locker rooms. Is that, is that the issue with it? Or is it more basketball? I don't related? think it's basketball related, you know, I, because we've shown that we can be really successful basketball related, you know, I mean, we were, we were a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago, you know, so 
and we have moments where we beat the biggest and best teams in the league, right? So we've shown that we have the ability. So when I see that and I see what our potential could be, and then you wonder, like, all right, why, is, why do we not show up the same every day? You know, why are we so inconsistent? Why do we have these dynamics and these issues? Why, why is effort continuously being a Achilles heel with us, you know? And some of these dynamics, I, I just can't help but to point back to just the leadership within, within the team. And I say players can't help but to think about the culture within the team top down. The GM's been there for a long time and, um, I don't know if there's a full belief in him from the player's standpoint. Um, once again, I, if you peel back the layers, I'm going to tell you right now, Kevin, we would sit here and say what I said a few moments ago. They're pretty basic issues. Not easy to fix, but basic sure. in the uh, ability to address them, to know what's bothering them and what's preventing them. Um, but that's why teams got to keep fighting, man. The, um, you got to keep fighting for the leadership and character side. You know, you cannot outrun a bad culture. It will catch up with you. And your wins often are a disguise. They are misleading you in many cases to get people to believe things are healthier than they actually are. Um, you know, health is health in the moment of adversity. That's where the health of your team presents itself or the lack thereof, you know, because um, it's interesting. Not all teams lose the same. You notice that, Kevin? Some teams, some teams yeah, absolutely. lose, right? But then other teams lose and, and all of a sudden, like, completely crumble and just, like, become a <laughs> exactly. mess. And, and it's usually the teams that don't have a strong foundation a strong core, strong group of player leadership that that fall apart when losing hits. I've seen losing where the team is losing and they're frustrated, but it's still not falling apart. You know what I mean? It's still like it, it doesn't need to be blown up. You know, poor cultures, when they lose, it always feels like it needs to be blown up because it's just so bad. <laughs> yeah, and that um... – of course, we've our season this year, Adam, uh, and that's I, I tell you that's why. Hey, I got to get your ninety nine dollars special. I mean, I'm telling you, because uh, I, I have a lot of you know leadership activities, but I really need more. I, and I'm the first one to admit that you know we can always build better leaders. Um, and but we 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 lost four games in a row, but we lost four games in a row to really good teams, and. Um, we had to kind of gather our troops again, you know what I'm saying? Kind of get their confidence going. And uh, it, to me, I actually do my best coaching when we lose. I, I tell you, I, I, I tell you, that's when, that's when I think me and my coaching staff do our best. Of course, you don't want to have that too often. But um, I think it, it's important for our culture to be able to handle that. The scoreboard is not what we're playing mm -hmm. for, right? Um. But it's hard. It's hard. Um, hey, tell me about – I want to kind of branch out a little bit about T.J. Rosine. Um, I think T.J. – and, of course, you guys do a great job kind of feeding off each other in, in the podcast, and I'm always picking up things from you. I think he's one of the best teachers in the game. Is there – I can't believe 
a top college hasn't snagged him. And I know he loves, he probably loves that level at a manual and he's had a lot of success. That guy's an unbelievable coach. Don't you think? TJ Rosine is one of the best coaches <laughs> in the entire country. And I've learned over the last couple of years that like, I'm not fooled by the labels of and the titles of D one coaches. That does not mean you are D one. You're a D one coach per se. Okay. It means you've gotten an opportunity to coach D1. They're not always the best coaches. And, you know, some of the best coaches in the country live in the D2 space, the D3 space. And TJ Rosine is, is an example of that. And, you know, TJ, it's not because he's not, he hasn't gotten offers. I'll put it like that. Okay. Um, you know, TJ's made a choice to stay at Emmanuel and, and continue coaching Emmanuel. He loves it there. And, um, you know, when you're good, you become sought after. And TJ certainly sought after, understandably. He's so, so good with that. And, and, and the crazy part is, and, and this is what I always admire about people, certain people. I'm always intrigued when you, like, get to know someone and they're doing so much good. For example, like a TJ Rosine. You know, you, like, get to know him. You listen to podcasts. He puts out a lot of content on PGC and stuff. And you're like, wow, man, he's really, really good. And then you get to know him and you realize he's doing so much more good than what you even know. And most people are overwhelmed by the amount of good he is doing, you know, with what they see. TJ is right. doing so much that, I mean, there's still so much he does do that people don't even know about. You know, I mean, he's just really on another level. And, um, you know, I had a chance to send a player, one of the – coolest things that I've experienced in the last couple of years was a kid that I, um, I worked with for two or three years would lead him up here locally in my town. Wasn't getting a lot of looks, um, even though he should have, his team went undefeated, uh, with, except for an exhibition loss during the Thanksgiving holiday, but regular season, they went undefeated. He made it to the state championship in Maryland. You know, he was their leading scorer, but he wasn't getting a lot of looks. I was surprised. And I mentioned it to TJ and Graham, so y'all should give this guy a look, you know, you know, I've been working with him and he ended up signing with him two years ago. And Brandon, Brandon Simpson is his name. Young man who has just grown so much under their leadership. And it doesn't surprise me. And I'm so happy, but it's one of those, like, I just was, when I was hearing Brandon was considering it and Emmanuel was considering, I was like, I hope Brandon goes because I just know what life will look like after being under TJ's leadership for a few years, it will change your life. And I, I just can't say enough about TJ and just how good he is. So I'm thankful he's my co-host. Um, we just got to get our schedules in sync. We've been so busy. We haven't been able to record as much together over the last month or two with my, yeah. you know, me having a little one and him having his fourth and, just the holidays and all that. Sure. So, um, we're hoping to get connected here and, and reconnect in January. Yeah, and it's crazy this time of year. And I know Sam Allen. Matter of fact, I contacted Sam. I'm trying to trying to get Sam on the podcast as well because he's a he's a Georgia boy. He'll be um, great. But Sam does a great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Can I can I snag him? Oh, what do you think? Be an easy get for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sam I gotta be a better Sam, recruiter. Sam, and I only say that just because Sam is so good. Sam is so willing and, and down for whatever. And, and here's the deal. Guys like Sam Allen, guys like TJ Rosine, they're so genuine and so authentic. And P 
people ask me, they'll say, how do you know if someone's genuine and authentic? There's a lot of dynamics. Well, one gauge is this. Do the people that know them a lot have the same opinion and feeling about them than the people that know them a little? And for TJ and, and Sam, that is so true. You know, you see them from a distance. You're like, wow, they're really inspiring. Wow, they have a great mindset. Wow, you know, they seem, you know, really selfless and all that. And then you get to know them a lot, really, you know, and actually get to see them like with their families and hear really how they are, you know. And you're like, wow, that's exactly who they are. And, and that just speaks to like, yeah. that, that's a great sign of being genuine. Cause there's a lot of people that you see them from a distance. They seem really, really impressive and inspiring. And then you get to know them a lot and they're, and it doesn't, the, you begin to realize that the exterior doesn't match the interior, you know, and um, those guys don't fall into that category. Right. And I, I, I got to tell you a story with TJ. I went to, um, uh, the Buford, uh, Buford had a clinic, uh, this summer and I, I went up there and TJ entered, he actually, um, introduced himself. Like he really knew me. It's like, I've we've only, you know, he only heard my po- podcast or somehow he knew my name or whatever. And it was like, he made me so welcoming. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He welcomed mm-hmm. me so much that I feel honored. He did not have to do that. <laughs> and uh, of course he spoke at the clinic and, um, of course, I was note taking like crazy. The guy always has some some key wrinkles or note things like that to help your program out. Um, but I thought it was cool of him to come and we spoke for like ten minutes, me and my assistant, and uh, I thought that was great. But I don't think you get that from the top D one coaches. Maybe because these guys are just they think they're at a, such a high level. I mean, I don't. I, I think Tom Crean's a good guy, but Tom Crean's not going to come up to me and say, "Hey, Kevin, how are you?" You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not the same it, thing. It isn't. Um, but I really, it I, yeah. but I also extend a little bit of grace to those because their demand is so much higher. You know, so like, you sure, know, they, sure. it's, it's a little tougher. I, I get it, but I know exactly what you're saying. You know, and and and, and the crazy part, I, I believe TJ would probably be the exact same way if he was a D1 coach. You know, and it was high profiled, you know, and you were seeing him on TV. He'd be the same person. He, His schedule would just be a lot less available. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, tell me about, before you go, tell me about Mark Cuban. I know you did the interview a long time ago, and uh, I would love to pick the brain of Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is an absolute genius, don't you think? You and Alan interviewed him, I don't know, I don't know how many years ago. Tell me about yeah, that, that interview. Was so good. That was um, certainly one of the my most enjoyable experiences. Uh, it was a pretty wild adventure to get out there because of flight delays and things. And we wanted to be our best, you know, for Mark. And we actually didn't sleep the night before. I'm literally, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> like we slept like 45 minutes. We got into Dallas at like 6.30 and had to be at American Airlines or maybe at like 5 30 or 6 and had to be at american airlines arena at 8 um to meet mark because flights were canceled into dallas we had to fly into oklahoma that night we then had a ride uh one of our our guys was down in dallas he he, he had already got down there before us he actually drove up to oklahoma to pick us up and we landed at one because uh, we couldn't get a rental car because every it was all booked because the um, the college baseball world series was going on. And I believe there was a couple of different events in Oklahoma. They had no rental cars at the airport. It was crazy. So we, 
we ended up flying into Oklahoma, getting in a car, driving four hours down to Dallas, getting in around five-ish or something like that, slept for 45 minutes to an hour, went over to American Airlines, and, you know, we were able to post up in his, he's got this bunker suite is what he calls it. It's basically right off nice. the court. You go down a few steps and it's like his office <laughs> slash little VIP suite. And it's got a bar in there and it's got all yeah. these TVs and leather couches. It's got a, a full bathroom with shower. It's got his office and all that. So like, that's kind of where he hangs when he goes in. Um, and, Nice. You know, he was, you know, he was saying, you know, how he'd hosted Jay-Z and Beyonce the day, you know, day or two before, you know, that type of thing. Um, so we we're just hanging out there and we, um, you know, he came in and he, man, he was just, he was so, so good. You know, I did not, I never felt like he was pretentious or like standoffish or felt like he was too good i never got that feeling at all it was almost the opposite he was really like hey man yeah let's have some fun like let's do it you know like almost like he didn't have anywhere else to go you know he's just in adidas sweatpants and drinking his red bull and you know we, we recorded um <laughs> recorded an episode had a great great time hung out after for a little bit you know he he filmed a video for my wife um because my wife's a big fan and, you know, I was like, hey, would you mind, like, can we call my wife real quick? I was like, it would be so cool. And he's like, let's, let's film a video for us. So, like, he took my phone and, like, filmed this video. Um, but, yeah, just hung out kind of all morning with him. And it, it, was, it was awesome. It was, it was so, so cool. Yeah, and, and you did most of your – and I, I could be wrong. You did not – you did a lot of your, your, um, your interviews live, right? Not live, but in studio where you actually went out and interviewed. I know you and Alan did a lot of that. It wasn't a lot like you and I are doing uh, over the phone, right? I'm trying to remember the old days, back in the old hardware yeah, hustle well, days. It's interesting. We've recorded now, or I guess I've recorded 400 or so hardware hustle episodes between Alan and, T and TJ. Wow. And um, crazy. And we've never done one over the phone. They've all been face to face. Face to yeah, face, never, yeah. Not once. We we just make our schedules work, you know. And of late, the only difference of late is that I've done a couple solo episodes without TJ, and he's done a couple solo episodes without me because we couldn't be together, you know, and we still needed to keep producing the content. Um, but no, 99%, right. it's myself and the co-host face-to-face with the guest or face-to-face -face with each other. And we recorded, we recorded back, yeah. Kevin. So like we will get together and, you know, let's say TJ flies up to DC for a night. He and I will connect. We'll sit there. We'll have a whole list. We'll record 12, 14 episodes. That'll last us about a month and a half. We'll then schedule our next trip. We'll, you know, work our whole calendar and say, okay, we'll be together at this clinic. We'll, you know, we'll record 10 to 11. We'll be together here at the final four where we'll, you know, we'll target, 20 episodes you know so we we tried to do that like i my family and i went to hilton head where he's got a, a house this summer and like spent four days with him and his family and just kind of hung out and i think we recorded like six episodes a day you know just kind of took a break went and recorded you know and then hung out the rest of the time and you know that's 
six, 12, 18, 24 episodes, you know, <laughs> uh, over those couple of days. So just try to make it work. Yeah. And that's not a bad life hanging out in Hilton head. I, I, of course, I, I was wondering why you guys are over at Hilton head. Now yeah, I know why. Nice, nice. Yeah. Maybe that's my next step, Adam, is to go more to the live uh, broadcast. I'm going to have to pick your brain and talk to you a little bit about that for some key. Because uh, I think that's, to me, going one-on-one interviews like that, face-to-face, I think you get more out of the interview. You, don't you think? get more out of the interview, right? Because you can read each other's body language. You can sense excitement. You can identify areas to go deeper into the conversation if you feel like there's momentum in there and and then for us selfishly like you know one of the beautiful things about a podcast is it gives you an ability and a reason to connect with people okay think about it what what could i have had or what could we have had or to be able to spend a morning with mark cuban in dallas like think about that right like like what could i like <laughs> I couldn't have been like, Hey, can I come out to Dallas and just like hang with you? And I know, could I, I couldn't have been like, Hey, can I pitch you a business idea? He'd been like, no, I get those requests every day, all day. Like, but like, Hey, we've got a podcast, got a great audience of coaches. We'd like to have you on as a guest. People are open to those things. So it gives you this opportunity to connect and selfishly. It's like, you know what, if I get a chance to connect, let's do it in person, right. To really build a deeper relationship. Um, and that's what we've done with Jay Billis. We went down to his house in North Carolina and spent the day at his house on the, and recorded on his deck and had three episodes we did that day. We went to ESPN and recorded in Bristol, uh, got a tour of ESPN, hung out at ESPN all day. And we got Jay Williams. Okay. So like, we're like, hey, Jay, can we get you on the show? Hey, I'd love to. Well, how about we make it easier for you? We'll come to ESPN. Okay. Works for me. Perfect shoot for us works for us of course right so you know shot tracker we go out to kansas city and spend a day at their facility and record there you know and and there's costs associated with it you know but that's why it's important for us to get sponsors and things like that but um right uh, but these are part of what makes it such a cool opportunity you know you get to go out and do these things and you guys have done a tremendous job i mean uh if there's a better podcast, I want to know. And I listen to a lot of them. Hey, my, my final question is this. You interviewed Gene Durden. Uh, or, or I think it was uh, you and Sam uh, over at the Buford. You were just recently over here Correct. at Buford, right? And I tell you, Gene is a good friend of mine. He's a great mentor. Uh, matter of fact, he comes to my clinic every year. Um, I think he is like a TJ. Man, Him and TJ are actually pretty close. Great teacher of the game, man. I'm telling you, if you ever been to his practices and watch him work, what do you think of Gene? Well, I'm always amazed by anyone with that type of sustained success. And I'm also always inspired and intrigued by individuals who everyone that talks about the person all say the same thing, right? Like I hear this like energy and enthusiasm, (laughs) the way you speak about him, the way TJ, Sam Allen, I mean, we had his son on, you know, and I'm drilling his son a little bit, you know, like, tell me how, what's it like, you know, or like maybe challenging him, you know, is, you know, is your dad, you know, fine. tell me a weakness in your dad, you know, or dad, or area where your dad could get better. And his son is just like praising him up and down. So for me, I don't know him that well, but 
I feel like I already know him very well just because everyone says such great things. So it was a really cool experience to have him and his son on. And, and you can tell he's just got this temperament. He's got this style. He's got this genuineness to him. That, that you he can just tell, you're like, he's oh, for real. This guy's the real deal. No wonder he's successful. Uh, so that was pretty neat. And by the way, I'd never been to Buford. Like, I mean, yeah. they might as well call that Buford University. That thing is exactly what it is yeah they got they have a lot of things going for it over there of course they have great teams but you know it's a city school they um they attract a lot of players uh, almost like Damatha. Yeah, i mean uh yeah yeah what a great school um but uh yeah they're 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 top of the line of georgia schools right there but gene i think gene can win at a a, a school out in the country somewhere <laughs> He can win anywhere. He's a great coach and a great friend. Hey, uh, again, Adam, thank you so much for joining me, man. You are such a treat to have on. And, uh, hey, get, let's give the our listeners one last piece of advice that they can utilize either with themselves or their players. And then how can my uh, my listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, well, first of all, Kevin, thank you so much. I, I Googled on the – during the episode where you are and it's not that far and um yeah maybe next time i fly in atlanta i'll just make a point to fly in a day early and i'll go east before i go north uh, and right. connect with you guys so um you know let me let me just challenge everyone that's listening athlete or coach um it's so important that you know, these things that we talk about within leadership and character, that it really becomes a lifestyle for you. Um, it's really hard to try to fake it. It's hard to just try to show it at times. It really needs to become part of like who we are. And for us, we've got to recognize there's always going to be some slippage, meaning, you know, wherever I'm at as a leader, those that I'm leading most likely will be a few notches below me. Okay. For example, my players, you know, as I'm trying to build them up, which makes and reminds us that we need to be at, at the highest level possible from a character and leadership perspective. Right. So the higher we are personally, the higher they will be as they follow along. Um, you know, but it only works if it's really part of who you are. So we always say leadership's a lifestyle and, uh, just want to challenge everyone go all in recognize that, you know, this side of the game, it's when you bring it together with the skills and schemes on the other side of the game, that's where special lives. When character and leadership, which is leadership, what you do, character, who you are, when that is combined with the skills and schemes, which you don't have to twist any coach's arms to understand the importance of that, but it's when it comes together, there's a little overlap in the center, and that is where special lives. And anything you want to see in your program has to be developed, period. If you want to see it exist in your program, it has to be developed. And leadership may not be about you, but it obviously and absolutely starts with you. So we've got to just carry ourselves day in and day out in all aspects of our life at the highest level possible and keep pushing ourselves and, and everything will will progress from there um 
As far as staying connected, I'd love to connect with you guys and, and whoever. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at abradley5. Um, lead them up is at lead them up on Instagram or at lead underscore em underscore up uh, on Twitter. Hardwood underscore hustle. There's a lot of platforms. I love to connect. I am taking a social media fast from January 2nd through the 10th with my church. Um, our church isn't doing a social media fast. They're doing a fasting. Um, I, I chose, social, <laughs> I chose social media to be the thing that I was going to step away from. Um, even though I don't, I'm not stepping away cause I have a negative perception of it. I just want to step away cause, uh, we were really challenged to step away from anything that potentially could distract you from growing in your relationship with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I get caught up like many people kind of just scrolling away and, um, I just want to start the year off kind of focused on the, the right thing. So anyways, that's the plan. Yeah, Adam, thank you. So, I mean, I appreciate it being a, uh, be connecting with me and being a great mentor for me. I always believe in mentors. Uh, I have so many mentors, people that I can pick the brain of, and I appreciate you coming on early in the morning and um, sharing with me and sharing with our listeners. Thanks again, and hopefully we'll connect again. Hopefully we can get you out here to Lake Oconee to come uh, share with all our yeah, coaches and players. Love that. So I think we should try to coordinate that in 2019. That'd be fun. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Have a great day, okay? And uh, happy to you, man. Best wishes, Kevin. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Adam. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. This is Alan Stein, Jr. My new book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, will be available from all major book retailers on January 8th. Raise Your Game takes a rare peek behind the curtain and shows you what the top coaches and players in the game do during the unseen hours. I share their routines, rituals, and habits, as well as proven strategies that you can implement with your team immediately. If you want to maximize your coaching impact and influence, order your copy today at RaiseYourGameBook.com.